Welcome to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's message. For more information, visit our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. Speaking with you, I pray that you will lend me your ears in the next few minutes as we share God's word. If you would please turn with me to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, chapter number 5, the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, chapter number 5, verse number 1 through 13, verse number 1 through 13, Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1 through 13, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need some more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy and our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our own daughters and we are helpless to do anything about it. For our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. When I heard their complaints, I was angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against those nobles and officials. I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Verse 9 says, then I pressed further. What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain, but now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day, and repay the interest you have charged when you lend them the money grain, new wine, and olive oil. They replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials to swear to do what they had promised. Verse 13, I shook out the folds of my robe and said, If you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this from your homes and from your property. 
the whole assembly responded, Amen. And they praised the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the reading of his word. For more than 20 years, Professor Edwin R. Keady of the University, uh, uh, University of Pennsylvania Law School used to start his first class by putting two figures on the blackboard, four and two. Then would ask, what's the solution? One student would call out six. Another would say two. Then several would shout out eight. But the teacher would shake his head in the negative. Then Kid will point out their collective error. All of you failed to ask the key question, what is the problem? Gentlemen, unless you know what the problem is, you cannot possibly find the answer. This teacher knew in law as in everyday life, too much time is spent trying to solve the wrong problem like polishing brass on a sinking ship. This morning, I want to tell you that contrary to popular belief, there is a solution to every problem that we have if we don't insist on having our rights. The reason we don't have a solution to a problem is that we want our own way and therefore we are unwilling to settle for anything. If you come to the table with your mind already made up, then nothing can be put forward for you to consider. If you are willing to find a level ground where you can listen to your opponent or someone that you disagree with, you can walk away with a solution that is mutually acceptable. Most of the time, we don't have solutions because we are unwilling to hear what the problem is. And like little children, we think that when we cry enough and when we fuss enough, and when we make enough noise, the opposing person will become so much enraged that he will give in to our demands. But there is a time that you will come across an immovable rock who will be unwilling to hear your fuss, your cry, and your whining, and will stand their ground and won't give up. Someone put it best. He said that when the only thing that you have in life is a hammer, then every problem that you come across is a nail. We need to understand that if we are willing to solve problems like Nehemiah did in this few uh, 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 verses that I read to you, we might be willing to do things differently so that we can move forward. Here is a situation where they are in the midst of a great work. We all understand how he went to the king and got permission and got a letter to go through. We have already gone through the fact that he had some opposition. But just when you think everything has settled, 
all of a sudden there's a problem that comes from the inside. I see the problem is that you have to deal with from without. It's not good enough. Am I speaking to somebody? There are times when in your own home, you come to a place where you think you want to just lay down and get some rest. Only to find out there is just as much problem within your doors as, as there is outside. And you must find a way to solve the problems on the inside. When you just want to put your, your, your head on the bed to get some rest, all of a sudden there is a problem that must be solved. You turn on the television to find out what's going on in the world. And everything they tell you is negative. And you try to find out if there is something positive to build you back up. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? You get to work and you think that you are going to do just your work that has been given to you. Only to find that there's someone else who didn't do his work has given you a problem that you must now deal with. You, you, you get something from your boss that says, by 12 o'clock, I want this information. You are the head of the department. But somebody's problem is now trickling into your department and all of a sudden you are in trouble. Now, am I saying that I come here and I, and I hear some complaint. I hear some rumbling amongst the people. I hear some issues going on. That a Jew is exploiting another Jew, a Christian who is saved by grace sanctified and set apart has called in another Christian and borrowed money from them in the name of Christ and is unwilling to pay a Christian has called somebody borrowed something from them taken something from them but is unwilling to give back what they have taken a Christian exploiting another Christian in the name of Christ I don't know if I'm speaking in your alley, but a pastor exploiting his congregation by now telling them this is what God said about you. I had a dream. I wonder why every dream that most pastors have is something negative that's going to happen to you. When will they start speaking about, I saw you becoming prosperous. I saw your problems going away. I saw you getting a promotion. When will we stop? exploiting the people that God has given us and given us responsibility over. In the midst of all this comes Nehemiah who was probably engrossed in trying to get the system running. Whenever there is progress, there's always going to be problems that you and I must deal with. And the way we handle the problems that we have will help us to have a solution that is lasting. And so I want to give you some few pointers that I want you to think about and sleep over. Naaman didn't rush into it after all that he's been told and start giving laws and orders for people to follow. But he stepped aside and he listened to what the people had to say and then came up with solutions. Do you know the biggest issue we have is that sometimes when we hear stories, 
we don't step aside long enough to think about it, to evaluate what we have heard. We draw conclusions before we get to the finish line. And that becomes an issue for even the person that you are confronting to accept. So let me share with you. Be, first of all, before you attempt to solve a problem, do your very best to know all the details. Don't make hasty judgments based on your partial understanding. Listen. Note what we read. There were four distinct groups of people with different problems. The first were the people who had nothing. No land, but who needed food because there was farming in the land. They had nothing, so they came to Nehemiah and cried to him and asked for help. Then there is the second group that came. And they're composed of landowners who had mortgaged their properties to get some food. Their complaint is this, that because prices has risen, what we have is not good enough. We have to mortgage what we have so we can buy some food. Then there is a third group of people who complain because their taxes were too high. The fact is that even, the, even if the taxes stayed the same, the fact that they had problems meant that they didn't have enough money left to pay the taxes that they need to give. And therefore, they have gone to give out everything, including their children, so they can pay. The difference between then and now is that when you pay taxes, you actually pay to the king. He lived lavishly. And the people suffered. The fourth group was made out of wealthy people who loaned their money to their own people and then took their land and their children in place of the loans that they gave them. Understand that in this time also, based on Exodus chapter 20 and 21, when you have time, read it. God lays down the law and he tells the Jews, you know, when you give money to one another, you shouldn't co collect um, any interest on it. And they have to treat each and every one in love and so on and so forth. But, but God also put in place, and some of you have heard this many times, this is, this is uh, uh, the year of my jubilee, the year of my release, the year of getting back what I had given over, and so on and so forth. But these wealthy businessmen were selfishly exploiting the poor. Yeah. It was no different then than it is today. They were using their power to, to rob people and put them back into bondage. Let me warn you that God has a special place and a special concern for the poor. And he will not hold anyone guiltless who take advantage of the poor. 
So Naaman sat back and he heard all these problems that people have brought to him. Realize this, that if you want to have a clear and a good solution to your problem, you must analyze individually how you got to where you are. One problem doesn't put you where you are. It is a series of mistakes. It is a series of things that you have done that finally gets you to a place where you now have to pay attention to where you're going. If you want a solution to a problem, you must sit back and analyze, like Nehemiah did, all the issues that are confronting you. Don't take just, look, have you spoken to people and you have a series of things to talk to them about and all they hear is just one thing. Have you ever had a confrontation? I don't want to use the word confrontation because it might mean, it might, it might sound like you are becoming combative, but if you have had an intense conversation with your wife or husband and they seize on just one word that you said and that was the end of the conversation they lay in on just that word and not listen to anything else if you want a good answer or solution to your problems the first thing you need to do is pay attention to what you are being told. Don't plan answers as you listen. And most of us make that mistake. Every time we hear someone saying something to us, we, we get to a plan of rebuttal. A plan of attack. This is not a ping pong game. Where you try to hit harder and your opponent cannot return. You try to answer, you try to hear, you try to open up your mind and not to think about how to answer the question so that you can hear. There is a difference between listening to somebody and hearing them. You can listen without hearing. And if most men will tell the truth, when your wife confronts you about not hearing them, you say, do you want me to repeat what you said? Because they are listening, but they are not hearing. You want a solution? Start hearing. Close out every avenue of returning the ping pong and say, sweetie, what do you have to say? That's what Nehemiah did. He listened and he heard their cry. Second, after hearing the details, weigh your anger. Are you hearing me? Weigh your anger based on the sin and not the person. Weigh your anger based on the sin and not the person. Now, you say, what is sin? Sin is simply a perversion of purpose. Now, if... If I come to you and I say to you, what is the purpose of this cross? It is to symbolize the death of Christ and to remind us about what happened. 
That is the purpose of the cross. Now, if I take this cross and whack you in the head, it is sin. Why? Because it is a perversion of purpose. The purpose was to symbolize, not to hit people in the head with it. Now, the purpose for which God has given us a mouth is to air out what we think and where we are without becoming abusive. If I open my mouth and all I do is not to edify you, but to beat you up with my mouth, it is sin. Why? Because I am abusing the purpose for which God gave me a mouth. Am I making sense? When you abuse or use anything that God has given you without the purpose for which he gave it to you, it is sin. Now, let me get in your alley so you can understand me. So you tithe every Sunday. You tithe 10% or more and you keep the rest. Everything that God has given you belongs to God. Therefore, if you take that rest and you misuse it, it is sin because you are abusing the purpose for which God blessed you. Am I making sense? Okay, so after hearing everything, the details weigh your anger based on the issue rather than the person who presented the issue. So Jeremiah, uh, Nehemiah says in verse 6 that when I heard their complaints, I was angry. See, because it was one thing for him to confront foreigners who were coming in and it's another thing to deal with your own people when they fight one another. If you think that is wrong, ask Moses and he will tell you. All he did was try to help his own people. And the very people that he tried to help turned around and betrayed him. So you see, you can even look at Moses. Goes up on the mountain, takes the laws of God, comes down, and the very people that were brought out of Egypt and redeemed have now gone back to what they used to do. And he broke the tablets. And so, Nehemiah saying to us that whenever there is a problem, If you don't become passionate about it, you can't get a solution. It's why I see people who, who people tell, say that, you know, it's tough for you to get him angry. I have a big problem with such a person. Because if you are not angry about certain things in your life, you can never have a solution for them. If you are not angry about your weight, you can't have a solution. If you are not angry about the way you worship God, you can't have a solution. Because you are not passionate about the things that you have to deal with. Anger is not sin. What you do with it is what becomes sin. If I am not angry about the way I speak with my wife on certain occasions, I can be angry enough to say I can't live like this no more. So when you tell me that you, you don't, I, I, Pastor, I just, I'm not the kind of person that is angry. I've got a big problem with you. Be angry enough to change. Without passion, you can't do anything. Without passion, you can't build. Without passion, you can't give. You must be passionate about what you believe. 
was, was had a had a, a righteous indignation at the way the businessmen were handling the people of God. There are times when you must stand up and be angry. Be angry enough to say no. Can't do this no more. Be angry enough to say to that person, I don't have to live with it. I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to handle this abuse. You can speak to someone in love without being abusive. There are times when you must stand your ground. In your anger, do not sin. That's what the Bible says. Third, stay impartial and stick to the truth and the facts wherever it leads you. See, Nehemiah didn't put his finger in the air and try to figure out where the air or the wind was blowing in order to make his decision. In other words, he didn't look at what was trending now. What are the people thinking and doing in order to make my decision? Some of us make decisions not based on the truth, but based on what we think is okay to get along with. I know none of you do that. I'm just saying other friends that you have. Outside of this church do that. You don't hang around your co-workers and you hear them lying and gossiping and saying things about somebody else. And you sit down and say nothing. You are part of that problem. When you are asked a question and you know the truth. And you sit and say, well, you know, I don't know, but that's what I've heard. And you know. You just put your finger in the air and you try to figure out where the people are. And anyone amongst us who cannot make his mind up on where he goes is like a shaft in the sea, right? You go wherever the wind blows. Stand for something or you will stand for nothing. Nor was he a leader who was afraid to rattle the cage. And so we say things that are politically correct. Because I'm afraid of what they will tag me. I am a child of God. I believe that God created a man and a woman for a purpose. You can make your decision to want to do with a woman and a woman and a man and a man. That's okay. That's up to you. I don't have to accept that. I don't have to agree with you just like you don't have to agree with me. We all have a position that we must defend. I am saying that my master and my Lord told me that you were here because and a woman and a man fused to bring you here. And there is no other way to do it. This is God's decision. And therefore, that's what my position is. I'm not afraid to say that. You can tag me of being homophobic. That's okay. That's your problem, not mine. 
But if we have to sit and say we don't really know what God says, if you really want to find out this and that and the other, because you are afraid of what they will tag you for, tag me that I am a Christian and I'm proud of it. I don't have to fight with you. I will love you and not change the way I love you from any other day. You have your position, I have mine. You have it based on what you believe, I have or based on what I believe. Why do we have a problem? Why do I have to accept your way, but you don't have to accept mine? And yet there are Christians who are so afraid of saying that is not where I am because they will tag you. They already have. They just haven't told you yet. But you are such a coward that you can't stand for anything. It's not about being politically correct. It's about telling the truth. The truth must, may be sometimes offensive. In our own homes, sometimes the truth is offensive. You think that everything my wife tells me is what I like to hear? She told me a few things this morning that I didn't want to hear. But the truth is the truth. You evaluate what you are being told. Is it true about you? If it's not true, what is giving that person that impression? Figure it out and then change. A man was a true leader who was willing to do whatever it took. Even if it cost him everything. But I can tell you this one thing. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. No, his seed begging for bread. If you fire me because I told you the truth in love. I tell you God will open a much more bigger door for me to walk through. But I will not compromise the truth. Because you don't like it. Remember that anger must always be against sin and, and, and apathy. Some of us who just simply don't care. It was a holy anger against sin. And he knew that God was behind him. When we deal with people and responsibilities that we have, we must be mindful about the needs around us and reach out to help. I'm not too sure if Nehemiah knew everything around him, but it was clear that when he heard it, he was not pleased with it. And hear me, because what he heard was not that it wasn't happening, but Every time you progress in life or you get to a certain place, there are things that pop up, not because they are new, but now that you've moved forward, it's become obvious. Am I, am I trying making sense? Now that you've, you've progressed, some things that already existed has now flared up. The building only revealed an existing problem that they had. So when there are people who are against where we are going as a church, 
It's not that they didn't have a problem, but the more you go forward, the more they become vocal. And sometimes I wonder, why are you still here? If you don't like where we're going. Why have you made yourself into somebody who opposes just everything because you have to oppose it? The people were cheating others. But now that things have settled down, it's become obvious what they're doing. And so what Nehemiah had to do then was to deal with the performance problem. So the fourth point is this. Know the difference between performance and root problems. What Nehemiah was dealing with was the performance problem. The people were saying that this is what is happening to us. Uh, you see, because we tend sometimes to bottle up issues. We don't want to rattle the cage, so we keep things within us. And the problem that was really edging the people was the fact that others have become greedy and are exploiting those who didn't have. The performance was that now they had done things that they shouldn't do. So here's, a, here's how you deal with the problem. Don't look at how the person is acting out. Find out what is making them act out. Because if you see me kicking somebody's dog, you might call me evil and somebody who is not nice to dogs. But maybe the person who owns the dog, I can't get my hands on, but I can get his dog. So I kick the dog and beat the dog because the dog can't fight back. You see, what we do on the outside is not really what is the problem is. We just perform in certain ways because that's how we are reacting to an existing issue. So if we want to solve problems, the best way to deal with it is to say, what is really making this person do this? Sometimes people know how to work hard on their jobs, but they choose not to, not because they don't want to do it, but the root problem is that they don't think they're being paid enough. So I will work just as much as I think I'm being paid. You see, so when we come to problem solving, we need to sit back long enough to say, why is this person acting this way? If you don't deal with that problem, you will always be putting out fires. The goal is not to put out fires. The goal is to make sure the fire doesn't start. And therefore, you deal with it at the root. Now, if you cut a tree in the middle, it will grow back, right? Because you have not stopped the source of the nutrients that allows the tree to grow. The only way to stop it is to uproot it completely so it has no supply. If I want to solve a problem between myself and my son, because he says bad words to me, I must find out why he does that. Because you know that if my son is saying so many, you know, those kinds of words to me, he's holding a much more bigger issue. Because he knows if that thing comes out, I might kill him. So he can only say as much as he can survive by saying. If I don't confront the issue at the root, 
I will never solve, never solve that problem. So know the difference between the performance issues and the root issue. And that is why Nehemiah came in and said, I want to find out what is making these people say this. And if you look at verse number 13, the people agreed with him. And they said, I would do what you have said. The people were performing and were angry and were grumbling because somebody is holding them. Work harder. Harder at finding out. Listen, do self-counseling. Sometimes you don't need a counselor to help you. Do self-counseling. Ask you, why am I doing this? And if you are able to lay your hands on the real issue, you would have had your solution. And deal with it from that point. Finally, let me say this. In verse 7, this is what Nehemiah said. He said, after thinking it over, he just didn't react. He thought it over. I spoke out against these nobles and officials. Do you see the complaint came in? He didn't just react. He said, I thought it over. And if you know Nehemiah, you also know that he does nothing without praying. I thought it over. And I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. He has laid his hands on the problem. The people's problem was the interest. Not that they were borrowing. The interest that is keeping them and their children in slavery. You want to have a solution? Don't allow your feelings to call the shot. Oftentimes, our feeling, they take over our thinking. We become partial, and that hinders our judgment. How you feel right now in this church about a situation that I have mentioned there is no one single person in this room who has not thought about an issue that he has with somebody as I've spoken. If, if, if you have not thought about it, you, are, you don't have a problem. And if you don't have a problem, there's one coming. So listen carefully. How you feel right now about that person, about that situation right now in this room will change when you walk out. Don't allow your environment to determine how you feel about a problem. Think through it. Then act. Please, take feeling out of it and face the reality of the situation. Proverbs 16.32 says this, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. If you can't control yourself, you will never be successful at controlling anybody else. If you are incapable of controlling yourself, you can't control nobody else. 
The solution starts with you. So Nehemiah said, because of what you have done and you did it publicly, therefore the solution to the problem must also be dealt with publicly. If your mouth goes to say something about Pastor Fee and I find out, I'm first going to ask you two things. How many people have you told? This story. Because there's a threat that is coming after that. If you don't deal with it, the rest of the church will know. So you need to go and tell all those people that you are sorry about what you said. The reason is to stop you from gossiping. Right? And so, Nehemiah said, because what you did, it's a public issue. That you, you, you heard the people publicly. Nehemiah brought them in and he rebuked them publicly. So that the people will understand that he is not partial. That he is not looking at those who have money and making his decisions based on them. And how many times have we stood on the pulpit as pastors. And we've seen people within the body of Christ do wrong things. But we are afraid to say it because as we say the tithe will go out of the door. Take your money and walk. God was doing it before you got here and he will do it when you leave. He is not dependent on what you have. You are dependent on God. Never let it escape you. Put your hands in a bucket filled with water and take your hands out. See how long it takes for that, that to be filled back up. That's how quickly God will replace you when you walk out. Moses has died. We're still worshiping God. Paul is gone. We're still worshiping God. When you leave, we will worship God. That's why I'm not afraid to rebuke you in love. I, I'm, I'm not scared of you. I will tell you exactly where I stand. Respectfully. In a nice way. But you will hear it. One way or the other. You know my wife and I. We used to have this quarrel here and there. And my wife would say. She tells me I bring her too much in my messages. I tell her that I don't have. Much more better illustration. Than to put my own business out. And so she says, uh, I say something to her and she says, you know, sweetie, uh, she'll be quiet for a little while. And then, you know, we have this silent treatment in the car sometimes. It spills over and it goes home, you know, and it's yes, no, maybe, okay. Okay, okay that's what you, and, and it goes on. And finally, one of us will, will break there, mostly his hair, because, you know, I'm so stubborn, you know, sometimes I just, okay, if that's the way you want to go, fine, let's go. But she will break it and she will say something like, sweetie, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. And every now and then I'll say, I've heard that a lot of times. But, but finally, if you want to correct, correct wisely. Correct wisely. In conclusion at verse number 8. In conclusion at verse number 8. <clears throat> at the meeting I said to them. We are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives. Who have. 
had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Remember this, the hurt people hurt others. And what Jeremiah said first is this. What you're doing is inflicting pain. Isn't that what he said? You are hurting your own people. Why is it that when we hurt people who are the closest to us, we don't seem to recognize it? His advice to them is this. What you're doing is hurting the very people you say you love. Correct wisely. Don't hurt in the process of correcting. Always ask, what does the Bible teach about that infraction? Does the Bible say anything about what it is that I need to deal with? Find it. And then deal with it. Find God's word. Would that deal with that infraction? And tell the person. So it is not you who's correcting them, but it's the word of God that you're pointing to them in love. In love. What is the path therefore? You ask yourself, that's the last one is, what is the path for redemption and restitution? If you owe somebody $50 and you went to them and you couldn't pay, after five years and you go to them and you ask them to forgive you, I pray that they will forgive you, but you still got to pay that $50. If you have stolen from somebody and you go and you ask for forgiveness, if that thing is with you, you need to give it back. It's not that I've stolen from you, forgive me, I'm still keeping it. That's not the way it works. Correct wisely. And then finally ask yourself, what does God require of me? Verse 9. Because you are part of the problem. But Jeremiah says to walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations. What you are doing is causing other people to say things about the Lord whom we serve. You are the light. Wherever you are, darkness must depart. Don't put a dimmer on your Christian life. And dim your light based on where you are. You go into sinners and you push it down. You come to Christians and you put it up. No! Be light or be darkness, but you can't be both. You walk to your brother and you ask him that if, 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 if you and I had a situation we had to deal with, I first have to ask myself, my brother, how would I like to be handled? If I was in his position. If I was the one who caused the infraction. How would I like to be handled? And deal with it. That's in verse 10. A middle aged man was distraught. Over his wife's stubborn refusal to admit. She had a hearing problem. One day he asked his family doctor for advice how to convince his wife that she has a hearing problem. The doctor promptly told him that when he got home, he could confirm the hearing problem by opening the front door and from there asking his wife what's for dinner. 
Then the doctor said, if she doesn't answer, move closer to the kitchen. Repeat the question again, and if she still does not answer, move right up to her ear and whisper in it. What's for dinner, honey? In this way, the doctor assured him she will have to admit she has the problem. So the man raced home with joy in his heart and opened the front door. What's for dinner, honey? He asked. His wife made no reply. So he moved closer to the kitchen and asked again, What's for dinner, honey? Again, nothing was said. When he looked into the kitchen, sure enough, there she was at the kitchen counter. So he tiptoed over to hear and whispered in her ear, What's for dinner, honey? She turned around and looked at him straight in the eye for the third and said, For the third time, I said, We are having meatloaf. <laughs> Who was the problem? Who was the problem? He was the one who couldn't hear, not her. Sometimes, to get a solution to your problem, you may quickly find out that you are the problem. Stop looking at others. Start looking at you. And ask yourself, what contribution have I made to this issue? Once you figure that out, you would have had the problem solved. Let's all stand. Thank you for listening to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and were blessed by it. For more information, visit us at our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.